So this morning, we continue with our look at the writings of the Apostle Paul. The passage we're going to hear um, comes from 2 Corinthians 9, uh, 6 through 15. The chapter begins, though, with important words that kind of set up what's going to happen in this passage. The chapter begins with words from Paul about a collection that is going to be taken up in the church in Corinth for the Christians in Jerusalem. He's sending, he says he's sending brothers ahead. He's sending representatives ahead of him. Uh, and the verse says, to arrange in advance for this beautiful gift that you have promised so that it may be ready as a voluntary gift and not as an extortion. And so uh, Paul is setting, uh, has sent people ahead to uh, collect a financial gift from the people in Corinth that's going to be uh, taken to the Christians living in Jerusalem who are in need. Paul wants them to know, and you will hear this, Paul wants them to know that this is to be a free will offering, uh, that it, God loves the cheerful giver. And so um, I read to you now from uh, chapter 9, uh, beginning with verse 6. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves the cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, open our hearts this day. Open our minds that we might take in your word, that we might be inspired by your spirit to be generous in all things. Amen. For those of us old enough to remember, and I include myself in this group, um, the January 6th Senate hearings uh, bring to mind the Watergate hearings of 1973. I was in ninth grade, and even uh, as a child, strangely, I was interested in politics. So I remember the senator from North Carolina, C.M. Irving, as the chair of the Senate committee, quoting the writings of Paul to the Galatians, God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. This came to mind this week as I read 
Paul's words to the church in Corinth. That opening verse that I read, the point is this. I, I like that. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Scriptures are rich with agricultural images. The people were an agricultural people. Think of Jesus' parables. There was the one about the scattering of seeds. The one about weeds among the wheat. The one about the mustard seed. There is a repeated connection between the processes of the created order and the patterns of the corporate spiritual life. First comes the sowing, and then comes the reaping. Paul states that there is a direct connection to the amount of seed sown and the amount of crop harvested. Now, while I completely embrace Paul's understanding of the blessing of God known through generosity, I think we need to look a little deeper at uh, Paul's opening point. I've told you before that I am no gardener. I'm pretty proud this year that I have impatience, which are nearly impossible to kill if they're grown in the shade. But I am, I am uh, pretty impressed that I have impatience uh, growing in shaded pots on my front porch. That is the absolute extent of my gardening success. But I do know gardeners, and I do know that there are seasons when much seed has been sown and little crop has been gathered. Sometimes it's weather, too much or too little rain at crucial times, or blight, or a bug, or one, of, one or more of those blasted rabbits, or deer, or even a number of you who told me stories about chipmunks. Or maybe it's the soil. Like the parable about the scattering of seeds, some fell on the rocky ground. Or maybe the pH factor is off. And I never even heard of this until just a few years ago. So you get my point. It's maybe just a little bit different than Paul's, but I know that seeds can be sowed generously. But to reap generously, we need to stay attentive throughout the growing season. In this passage, Paul compares the act of sowing seeds to financial giving. It comes, as I told you, in the context of his request for an offering to be taken up for the Christians in Jerusalem. He writes convincingly about the interconnectedness of God's generosity and that of the people's generosity. He says here in verse 8, God is able to God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, right? God is able to provide us with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. God's abundance is reflected in our abundance. God gives abundantly so that we might share abundantly. There are, of course, countless ways to share when we use that word, to give. But as we walked our way through the walk by Reverend Hamilton, he in this chapter himself focused uh, primarily on financial giving, as does Paul in this passage we heard from 2 Corinthians. So what does this, you know, we always have to go there. So what does that mean to us, right? So what does that mean to us 
individually and collectively about our financial giving. Uh, a very short list comes to my mind, three particular things. First, I think it's a reminder that everything belongs to God in the beginning. Everything we have belongs to God to begin with. Verse 10 tells us that God provides seed to the sower. There's no dividing up of what is mine and what is God's. All that we have is God's. We're stewards, caregivers of God's wealth, of God's resources, and of all of creation. The second is a reminder that we have the right and the power to decide how we use our resources. We have free will. Paul reminds the believers in Corinth that they're not to give reluctantly or they're not to give under compulsion. For God loves the cheerful giver. God has given us free will and discerning minds. I think this is why most of us are appalled by TV evangelists who prey on viewers through manipulation or fear or promises that if they give financially that there will be some miraculous healing that quite honestly may or may not come. Many of us in terms of our financial giving to charities uh, go online and check out any sites, one's Charity Navigator, that, that will tell you how much of what you give goes directly, goes directly to the service or to the ministry that you're supporting. This is one of the reasons that those of us in the United Methodist Church, wherever we come down theologically on a number of issues, are almost 100% in support of our United Methodist Committee on Relief called UMCOR. Why? Because we know our financial giving goes directly to whatever the uh, crisis or concern or issue that we support. God desires that we offer our gifts with a clear head, with a joyful spirit, and with open hands. And finally, what I think one of our takeaways here is that we will not reap what we do not sow. Year after year, Dave and I talk about planting a garden. Maybe a few tomatoes. Let's throw in an herb or two. How about cucumbers? Our garden in our heads gets larger every year. But every year our crop stays the same. Nothing. Right? Because we never plant a garden. So if we do not sow, we do not reap. Nothing planted, nothing harvested. Hmm. These last few years have been financially very challenging for Stone. Not surprisingly, they've been very difficult for almost everyone. And through it all, the leadership of Stone has continued to make decisions to sow seeds of ministry. Through it all, the leadership of Stone has committed to, to the care of staff. Two years ago, adding a part-time position of online ministries, uh, which Jen Ashbaugh graciously accepted. Um, that's what enables us to be online. Our broadcasts, our Facebook, our website. This year we added more hours for our children, youth, and family ministries position, which Cindy Bland currently holds, in order that we can expand in-person ministries with our kids and our young families. Through it all, the leadership of Stone has continued to invest in this building, 
not because we wanted to look good, I mean, that's all fine and lovely, but because we wanted to continue to be a safe place, safe in every way, not just for us here in worship, but for all the persons that come and go from this building, the children and families that come to our daycare on the second floor, the soup kitchen and uh, volunteers and clients who eat in the downstairs, our recovery groups, our Girl Scout troops. We want this to be a place of welcome, of safety, of uh, refuge and sometimes for all who need us. I've been uh, thinking this last year as those of you who are in the Meadville community have, have seen when you walk down Chestnut Street how the bricks had fallen off the, the top of uh, the one building above Havis's. Not too many years ago, we discovered that uh, when a, a person was looking at the stonework, that we here at Stone had uh, stones on front of the, that's why we're Stone Church, right? Um, had stones on our, at, just above our Chestnut Street uh, entrance where the mortar had uh, worn away. And the, uh, the stonemason who was working with us said, uh, they are only being held up now by gravity and God. <laughs> So immediate, immediately, we invested, I think I'm right on this, about $20,000 because we couldn't have stones falling off into the sidewalk, right? These are the kind of things when you think of financial giving to the church and so often persons say, well, I don't, I don't want to give to a building. We're not giving to a building. We are... Uh, giving to the glory of God in this community that we can continue to be good neighbors. We continue to plant seeds of ministry through the financial giving of so very many. And the wonderful care of uh, a number of our vendors in the community. We were talking uh, this last week, Jeff um, Lautzenheiser, our chair of trustees, and I were talking about how so often one of our vendors, whether it be Spader or Johnson's Electric, or someone will come and, and they'll do something, and on the bottom of the bill, it'll be a little mark, NC, on the bottom of the invoice, no, no charge. Um, we have a commitment of others outside of our church fellowship who have said, this place, this people, this ministry, it matters. So yes, while financial giving is down and we need to continue to find ways to both encourage and give thanks for giving, we press on because God is not done with us yet. Uh, there is ministry to happen, worship to continue, joy to be shared. And through it all, as Paul writes, we will be enriched in every way. We will be enriched in every way by our great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. So to God be the glory. Great things God will continue to do. Amen.